Do we have a topic or no? We're just going to go? Well, who knows what's going to happen. Do you want to just, we could just randomly talk. Do I have a topic? I never have a topic. Okay, we'll just send it, man. (laughs) Um, no. Ah, much better. Now, get ready for an uncivilized discussion about faith. Welcome Welcome to the the Barbarian Barbarian Prophets. Well, Barbarian Nation, here we are once again. And man, I am blessed beyond all measure today that I have Pastor Aaron Hodgins, is how you say your last name. It's close. That's actually not how you say my last name. Scoot your mic closer to your all face right. and say, say, how do you say your name? Hodson. Hodson. Yeah, so H-O-D-S-O-N, Hodson. Hodson, okay. Yeah. Well, I, I apologize. You're good, man. You're and I good. think I probably got you logged incorrectly in my phone is what the deal is, man. <laughs> you know, I had a, a guy I was talking to the other day that we were raising money, and he said, well, thanks, Brett, and I just let it go. It's <laughs> like, yeah, because, you know, Brett Eldridge is actually a very famous guy. Yeah. You know, yeah. and I am I am merely just Bert. Yeah, just Bert. I think I think the first time I met you, mm-hmm. and then the second time after that, I called you Brett. Probably yeah. it's okay. I yeah. don't. I don't ever. Uh, you know, I figure ah, we'll get through it. It's yeah. all good. Or I will reintroduce myself again. No, you'll get it. You'll get it pretty soon. <laughs> I promise you. So I, I get it. So anyway, uh, you are a pastor here in Casper. I am. You are with what church? City Park Church. And denominational? You know, we're non-denominational. Um, the church in its infancy um, was American Baptist. Okay. Um, so fill us in a little bit on how you became City Park Church. Were you were there during so that period? I wasn't. No, I wasn't here. Um, the, previous, the previous pastor, we met just down the road, and we were a First Baptist Church. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, you guys were on Fifth. I went, you know, when I first— Fifth and Beach, I think. Yep, sure enough, because when I first started going to church, I was the first church to let me in it. Oh, wow. That's awesome. Yeah, Wes Cannell was the pastor there. Oh, cool. Cool. And and that is where I I started doing uh, Bible study outside of the jail for the first time. That's awesome. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, so um, so long story short, um, because of church history, which is pretty neat, so the Presbyterian Church came into Casper in the early 1900s. Right. um, And they were trying to get to northern Wyoming, Mm. and they didn't make it before winter hit. Mm-hmm. And so they ended up. The pastor just stopped here, mm-hmm. asked the first the first Baptist church if he could meet in their building, and um, kind of like you know alternating times. Really? Yeah. Yeah. And, I didn't. Know, I don't know this story. Yes, now I'm. This is intriguing. It's pretty cool. And so um, the first Baptist church said absolutely. I think they met maybe at night, and the um, and then the Presbyterian church. No, the Presbyterian church met at night, and then the Baptist church met kind of like the normal. Early morning Sunday time, you know. Right, right. Um, and anyway, fast forward to 2019. So from early 1900s to 2019, um, the first the Presbyterian Church, um, they they were struggling to keep the uh, paying the bills. Right, and so um, as a lot of denominational churches have, done yeah, over yeah. time. I mean, we we've actually looked. Um, you know, it is surprising across America how many large churches like that, because your guys' church is an epic size building. 
yeah, that have uh, gotten to the point where they're so expensive to keep up that um, people have sold them, turned them into apartment buildings, yeah. turned them into bars, turned them into all kinds of things. Yeah. So, yes. yeah, I get that, that emptiness. And so because of the church history, the, the, the pastor of the time of the Presbyterian church comes to our pastor. I mean, it's kind of through a roundabout different ways, but he said, look, you, you guys are the reason why we're here mm-hmm. in the first place. And so wow. we, we want to give you our building. And so, you know, that that's pretty awesome that that it would is. happen. I, I knew that that, that that part had transpired, yeah. but I did not understand why. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, so it was all church history. It's all because of, because of, True Christian generosity and uh, tearing down a denominational barrier to make things work for both parties. Yeah. That in the early 1900s, and but, maybe things were better. No, I don't think so, <laughs> I don't man. Think so either. <laughs> I think that what we uh, what we see, and that is why I think that we need to keep working towards this kingdom thought process, as opposed to. Hey man, we're separated from these items. It should be what it's actually joining us together. Sure, you sure. know, yeah. So, uh, when did you come there? So yeah, so so going back to the story, you asked why is it City Park Church? So they gave us the building. Oh yeah, that's right. You were you <laughs> yeah. were Baptist. Yeah, we were Baptist. You were uh, first Baptist. We were first Baptist. Um, they what, gave us the building. How, how many number of Baptists are there, dude? I don't know. I just know we're apparently the first ones. <laughs> <laughs> I don't, our the leader of our church was John. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Okay, I'm with you. I'm with you. Go, yeah. go. Anyway, um, but because of the location of our building, we're across the street from City Park. Yeah. I and mean, it's called City Park. Correct. And so that's why we switched the name to City Park Church. Cool. Um, yeah, so that's kind of the roundabout way of why we're now named City Park Church. Right. And you guys left... First Bat, the it were are they're not Southern Baptist Convention. They're, they're American, American, Amer- Baptist. yeah, the American Baptist. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, long story short, yeah. Well, you don't have to give me great details okay. in that. Okay. What I'm looking more for, but you guys have withdrawn from just uh, that denomination. We're, we're in the process. So, have we, you know, legally done it? No. Okay. But we've got all of the. 501c3 we got all the legal stuff that has to be done right we just haven't made it official yet right Um, that's that's heavy stressor man yeah it's hard times yeah this church went through a similar thing Mm -hmm. with um with with leaving the elca the evangelical lutheran church and uh, stepping into the nalc which is the north american lutheran church and when they had swapped buildings this this building used to be uh a, uh, I'm trying to remember now, uh, AG Assemblies of God. Okay. And this used to be an Assemblies of God church, and they had shrunk to the point where they were meeting in a small room, so we traded them churches because we had grown. Wow. So. That's awesome. Yeah. So that seems to be a common thing in yeah. in Wyoming. Maybe so. Yeah. Uh, but, and what happened there was the preschool. The pastor here that was here at this time, mm-hmm. he had grandchildren going to the preschool over okay. at the other, wow. and he went in and he said, "Hey, I'd like to meet with you." And he met with the pastor and the people, and they they did the huge church swap. So, cool, that's yeah. awesome. Yeah, there's another one up in North Casper that something similar happened to them. Um, Tree of Life. Yeah, 
I don't remember what church it was before, but they were. I was talking. Well, to it, their... it hadn't been a church in a while, but I do remember when it was. Uh, it okay. was being a, a food uh, like place pantry. for a while. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah, you know, so you, yeah, you'll see things like that, uh, which is good. And you know, there Casper has a lot of unique history when it comes to churches. There's a one that is currently a Hebrew root church, but it is down on Grant Street. Okay. And then there was another one that was over on um, at the tail end of Beach in North Casper. And back in the 40s, mm-hmm. okay, this is uh, just post-World War II, uh, the one in North Casper was a whites-only church. Oh, wow. Okay. There was still yeah. that, that kind of thing happening. You, It's the 1940s. I'm from Mississippi. Yeah. So. Yeah. You get it. <laughs> yeah. So, and the one over there on North Grant was um, a, a black-only church. Okay. And these two pastors got together over a cup of coffee. Uh, and said, hey, can I come to your church? And they said, yeah, let's do that. So all of his people came to, all of the the ones from the black-only church came to the white-only church, and everybody got together, and it was an amazing moment. I'll bet it was. And uh, the police were a little freaked out, didn't really (laughs) know what to do because they didn't know if something was happening there. And then the following week, it went the other direction. Cool. Then the police started arresting people. No way. No way. And then they, but they, wow. they were going to find them uh, for doing that for violating. And they just said, "No, we ain't, we ain't doing that. We ain't hmm. paying your fine. You throw us in jail, do whatever. We ain't paying your fine because you're not going to interrupt the kingdom of heaven." Good for them. And uh, you know, Wyoming never really had that separation law like that, but mm-hmm. there was still an animosity back in sure. those days. But Wyoming's a very unique and different place. Yeah, yes, it and is. And now you said you come from Mississippi. So uh, how long have you lived in Wyoming? We moved here in 2020. We moved amidst, yeah, yeah, COVID. <laughs> I decided that the world was coming to an end, so I moved to Wyoming where you know, there would be less people. You know, actually, we moved from Florida. So we weren't in Mississippi when we moved. My wife and I moved from Florida. Um, and honestly, on the you know on a political spectrum, Florida seemed more conservative than Wyoming. Oh, without a doubt. Yeah. Without a doubt. We we have so many rhinos here, it, it's ridiculous. Yeah. If we ever went rhino hunting, we'd never run out. <laughs> so, so you know, I, when we moved here, COVID, yes, the, it was a thing in Florida. I think we shut down we, for our church probably a month. Yeah. But then we were back rolling, yeah. you know, really quick when we realized that maybe this is something we don't need to worry about too much. Right, you know? right. Um, and so when we moved here... COVID, I don't think it even made it yet here. And so we moved. We were, we visited. Everything was still open. We were one of the last states I know, to shut down. I know. And we moved here, and that was like, and then things began to shut down. Right. I was like, you got to be kidding me. I just left a state that opened things back up, and now I'm moving right. to, you know, Wyoming, which I thought would be more, you know. Well, conservative or more, I, I guess. I have a feeling it'll be, if they try that again, it'll be a lot more difficult. Oh, I would imagine every, I would imagine a lot of states, it would yeah. be a little more people, difficult. People just ain't playing that game. No. No, no. no. At the first, we didn't know what it was. Correct. Yeah, I mean, I, I think there's a, there's wisdom, right? There's yeah. wisdom in. You're trying in, to protect your people. You're trying to protect your people. We're shepherds, you know, of, of what God has given us. Right. Um, and so they're the unknown, mm-hmm. you know. Make some wise choices, and then after maybe a few weeks, a month, whatever it might be, okay, maybe maybe we 
maybe we shouldn't be as fearful. Right. <clears throat> so, well, and, and and as Christians, we shouldn't be, but you also are human. So there's that. Yeah, we're human. And, you know, I think that, again, being the shepherd of, of a church, you, you love and you care for your people deeply. And, um, yeah, sometimes you do things that, right. you uh, know, that to, I've to told them flat them. out here, we've got a big parking lot. We ain't never shutting down. I'll be here at 9 a.m., even in a blizzard. Yeah. I will give communion. Yep. and so all right so let's bounce on you end up moving from florida to here what brought you here um god right right. so so long story short um god i was i've been a worship leader i was a worship leader for about 16 years before i moved here okay um i developed vocal nodules which for a singer is not good. Nope, it's um, not good. That's actually very dangerous. It is. Now, God, I, I believe in the healing, you know, divine healing, and so God healed me of those vocal nodules. Praise God. But still, my voice would get tired and exhausted. And at the time in Florida, it was a pretty big church, um, and I, we were have, we had three services, you know, roughly two thousand people, and um, we we're looking at starting a fourth. And I was having vocal fatigue, and um, anyway. I was also teaching every Tuesday night to our college and young professionals. And, man, I <clears throat> I taught on James 127, loving the poor, the orphan, and the widows. Mm-hmm. And as I was teaching that, God really laid on my heart that, man, that I, I feel like the church has kind of lost its, its zeal for what the church was called to do. I w- you are not going to get an argument here <laughs> and um, because that is something we're all trying to read. Yeah, and, and so... After the church has become an entertainment center, it has, and a good old boys club. In in a lot social. of cases, not in every case, yeah, but yeah, in a yeah. lot of cases, I, yeah. I, I'm not trying to trash talk anybody, but this is just something I'm definitely noticing. It is, it is, and so because of that teaching, it led me to to kind of ask the question why. Mm-hmm. And what I what I really realized was is that the older generation, and maybe not the older generation, the more mature believers mm, were no were no longer investing in immature believers, and so now discipleship now, was d- falling off. Discipleship, yeah, and and so what you've seen for the last let's say hundred years is you've seen a church that no longer has the mature believers trying to invest in the immature believers, and that's why we are where we're at dude i think you're calling it straight on the noggin right there and and so anyway so god began to impress the importance of that to me Mm -hmm. and uh, he switched my passion really from leading worship to teaching god's word and then wanting to invest more um into this discipleship idea now i'm going to confess like i I'm trying to make that happen, but it's difficult, and it's difficult for get people to grasp that. Uh, I, my hand is held high <laughs> because I get that as well, um, and uh, you know, I I definitely understand. And part of that is uh, one thing before you can have people jump on the discipleship thing. And I'm asking this question okay. to you. This, there's going to be a question okay. in this, but when when we're looking at starting a discipleship. It is important first that they understand the faith in which they proclaim to believe. Absolutely. And and if they don't have buy into that faith or faith system, mm-hmm. I mean, you, you know, when we're we're talking about uh, your belief 
your ultimate belief. I mean, we all love to throw Jesus around. Mm-hmm. I mean, we fling him around like he's sticking to the wall every mm-hmm. second and saying, I believe in Jesus. I love the Holy Spirit. He's on me. I praise God, right. the Father, all the time, you know, and they say that stuff. But at the end of the day, do they have a comprehension of the faith system of the church? And uh, so my question to you is, where do you start that discipleship? Do we start in training the people on what their faith is and then move into a discipleship? Or I'm looking. I I mean, I'm looking for me. Yeah. I'm I'm looking for, and and I'm going to tell you right now, there is a ton of pastors that are their ears buds have just gotten turned up because you have all the answers. Oh man, <laughs> I have no answers. I feel like um, oh, me so. Neither. So when I was da- going down this path, when I when God really laid it on my heart that this was something that needed to happen in, our, in the in the body of believers in the Big C Church, right? Oh yeah, um, I believe there's churches that do it that actually do it well. I don't know them personally, but I think there there has to be right. Um, Anyway, so I began studying Jesus's life, mm-hmm. and one of the things that Jesus did was he just spent a lot of time with his disciples. And so, inviting people into your life, into your home, inviting people into what you're already doing, you absolutely have to lay the foundation. Um, you have to teach the Word of God to people, and you have to show them how to live it out. And you can't do that in just teaching. Right, and so there is a. So what's difficult about it is, people don't want to do the put in the effort to actually invite people into their space. Well, and to be honest with you, since the COVID era, yeah, invitations into houses have greatly diminished. What, and, and even small house churches have greatly oh, greatly yeah. diminished. And. You find more people wanting to do meet publicly and stuff like that. And I was just it's listening. I was just listening to um, a pastor who was a pastor in China, mm-hmm. and um, he was talking about, you know, why do you guys meet? And or no, he he said, how many guys do you are you discipling? Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and the way they kind of function because they they're underground, like they can't openly talk about Jesus right, in China. Right. Um, he this the the Chinese congregants were like, well, we have about 2,000 people under us. And so, and, and I think what they meant by that was, is they're investing in a few and those people are investing in a right. few. And so it was like this domino effect. Right. And so at the end of the end of this conversation, the Chinese said to this pastor, it's like, man, we pray that we could be open like we are in America, like you guys are in America. And the pastor's like, no, you don't. And I would agree with that 100%. So, we need to never wish that we have what other people have because they are digging deeper oh, than we are digging, man. And and so so going back to the statement of COVID, like these people have been put in jail, like for months, years, for just just because they follow Jesus Christ, man. COVID or any sickness, you know. Again, going back to kind of what we said, there is wisdom and in, in like being cautious. However, you know. Count the cost. Christ calls us to die. Um, you know, if anyone would follow after me, take up his cross, which is a which was a death instrument. It's not like a this is going to be an easy thing. Like take up your death instrument and follow me, which means, man, you you might follow me, and it would result in death. And we don't have that mentality. Um, we want we've created a consumeristic 
Christianity. Um, it's been my big struggle since I came into Christianity. Yeah, man. Because I, I came out of a out of a lifestyle. Yeah. That uh, when I, I I'll be real frank is that I remember reading the Book of Acts mm-hmm. in the county jail and going. I cannot wait to actually meet Christians. <laughs> I mean, I've I, maybe I've been too harsh on them. I thought they were all idiots, but look at this, you know. And then when I got out, I kept looking around for people of the book. Yeah, yeah. And kept not finding people of the book. I, I mean, and I, I found groups that I love and churches that I I, I truly admire and love and yeah. invested in, and they invested in me, and we grew and we changed and everything else. But I'm going to tell you, to actually have somebody willing to go to prison for you, very rare. I I, I wouldn't bet on it in most cases in the, in the Christian faith. Yeah. I mean, the other thing is when it comes down to it, how many uh, – I always joke with my men's group, have you prepared your final words? Mm. And uh, – <laughs> Mine, mine's rather sarcastic, but uh, it is, uh, no matter what we do, I'm still going to believe in Jesus, so get on with it. Yeah. That's my final statement that I would like to make. Yeah, so going back to where do you start, the question, yeah. I, I really think it, it it's it's a both and. Like, invite people into your home. It's awkward. It's weird. But but Acts two forty two, I mean you you see them they're they're together daily, mm-hmm. they're praying, they're breaking bread together, they're mm-hmm. they're studying the apostles' teachings, and so it's an it's a both all and kind mm-hmm. of thing, and mm-hmm. you know I I think a lot of you learn a lot better in seeing how things are lived out than you would from a pastor just teaching from a pulpit. Um, Absolutely, and you know, and you, we saw the same thing in the growth of uh, even the the patristic fathers, mm-hmm. the ones yeah. just post-apostles, where you have Polycarp and sure. uh, Irenaeus and those boys, what, those boys, those great men of the faith, <laughs> uh, where they are still teaching small leadership groups yes. and sending them back yes. in there to teach the others. And they, you know who has, uh, you were saying, who has done this well? I, I'm going to uh, tell you who's done it well. Because it's just dawned on me, Francis Chan. Yeah, I mean, I, he has done he has done this pretty well, and he has found a lot of spots where he's messed up, and he's pretty open about he is. that. Yeah, you know, I think that um, <clears throat> it's so if, if there are pastors li- listening or, or just leaders listening, I think if you forsake all your programming for a time and focus in on your elders or your lead, whatever, however you coin the term of your leaders, you know, right. Find those few men um, in your leadership pastors and spend a lot of time with them. Right. And, and like it, it will, it will seem like a slow process, but when they catch it, man, you're the church will blow up. I mean, it's going to grow and I'm not just talking numerically, found foundationally and spiritually. And, and, and numbers do not make a great church. Man, oh, Jesus had 12 men, and we turned the world upside down, and Absolutely. we're still talking about it, you know? You know, my friend, uh, I, I have a friend in LaBarge, and I talk about him all the time on the air, and it's, his name is Tony Patera, and Gwinnett Patera, it's his wife. But, you know, they have a small church of about 19 people. It could be even less now. But there's times when you go to head to their church, you better call to make sure they're there. 
<laughs> because they all go on mission trips or things they do things together. They like literally they go, uh, well, we're all going to Mongolia. Oh, wow. You know what I mean? Or they go, they, because they do things as a body of believers. Yeah. They literally live that life. And, but I think there's a, a, a great thing about small collectives uh, working together. Sure. Um, because uh, that intimacy becomes so important. Yeah. But also making sure that they, uh, you know, each church is different. I mean, uh, we have uh, within this faith, uh, what I, I have a three, we'll call it season plan because we do uh, seasons here. Okay. Okay. And uh, we're in the green season right now, just so you're aware. <laughs> Thank you. Green <laughs> yes. means go to me. Green means go. Unless so it's talking like, about uh, bananas and yeah. that means stop. Yeah. Which yeah. is weird. I yeah. No, I get it. Anyway. <laughs> but uh, right now I'm taking them through a thing called uh, the shepherd's letter. Okay. And what that is is some fundamental beliefs of this century um, uh, of the Lutheran faith. Okay. And it was written by a guy. Actually, he uh, passed away in the uh, late 1900s. <clears throat> Isn't that funny we can say that nowadays? He died in the late 1900s. <laughs> And uh, but he had started being the bishop in 1948, and he started talking about everything that's here, and he started discussing how things needed to change. Mm. Meaning, one that the um, that the uh, I'm looking for a good word to to call it because uh, it, all of those that are very heavily educated start to blend with those that are very spirit filled. Okay. And that there needs to be a combination of those two things, that the liturgy and the awakening of the soul be, mm-hmm. be a thing. So we're doing that as a church body. Cool. And then we're actually going to, I'm going to take all, I mean, I got people that are 92 years old going to this class. That's great. And I'm taking them back to doing the catechism, which they did at 11, 12, 13 <laughs> years old. Okay. And we're going to go back and revisit, do you still believe this? Sure. Sure, and, and then the next thing that we're going to step off into is actually the small clad, uh, which is um, the confessions of the Lutheran faith, because I'm my my thought process in what in what you're doing mm-hmm. is if I can make sure that we all understand that we believe the same thing, then we can have it easier to pass on to the next person. Oh, sure. And so that's that's my approach. Yeah. What's going to be your approach with your body? Yeah, right now, you know, when, we, when I first moved here, um, I, I actually started meeting with the elders who, who are in place. And when I say elders, I just mean they're just men who, who are, you know, spiritual leaders in our church. And so I began to, to meet with them and just study God's Word right. with them. And right. yeah, I... So, because of their background or whatever, they you know they didn't have some of the, uh, or, or maybe it was just an, a new enlightenment. Uh, they probably knew these things, but right. bringing it maybe to a different light and different color, and they begin to understand and grasp more of, of the scriptures. Um, and so my my approach has been focusing on those men, and there were three. There were three of them. Now we brought another another guy on who who understands and gets. Um, discipleship, who loves the Lord, who, you know, is dedicated to his word. Um, and so that has been my focus. And so we are, I'm actually trying to build a process of bringing like 
what does it mean to be an elder? How do I teach that discipleship idea to them? Because in all things, for your church to grow, for your church to understand this, it has to happen from the top down. If it's not happening that way, I mean, how are you leading people? You know, if you're not doing it, how are you going to lead anyone? Right. Um, And so, so that's honestly what, what we're doing. Um, I've just been investing in them. We fast, we pray together, we seek God, we study his word together. We're trying to memorize scripture together, which we're not good at. Um, But we're, you know, we're, we're working to that. Um, And so how do we just be men who know God's word, fall in love with God's word, and then teach others to do the same thing? And that's, that's honestly where we've started. We did just recently start a men's ministry, um, teaching this idea of discipleship. And again, they aren't elders, but these are these are men who who believe in God's word and who have a desire to grow in God's word, in the knowledge of God, to apply it in wisdom. Um, and so, I've been investing in more more men. Now, we have a, a, a woman who's an incredible. She's so knowledgeable. I go to her sometimes, like mm-hmm. um, say, "Hey, I don't. I'm not sure what to do in this moment, or what? How would you, from a woman's perspective, how would you take this?" And anyway, she's teaching women the same thing, right? Um, and so. So man, it's that's that's honestly it is just finding those few who get it. That's right. what we're doing. Find the few who get it. Begin investing in them and teaching God's word, and then praying and fasting for them. I, the Spirit's going to move. Like I, we're not going to convince anyone to do this. No, you can't. And uh, so it, I, you can't. You cannot. That that's an impossibility. It is, and so w- the battle has to be done on on our knees, praying and fasting. Yeah, um, I think there's. I'm learning more about fasting as I, you know, as I dev- grow in my knowledge of Christ and um, realizing there's power in it. Oh yeah. Um, not not that fasting twists God's arm, but it's this this obedience that, that God honors. I think it's a faith that God honors. And that is uh, exactly what Jesus said when the disciples had a hard time casting out a specific demon. Yeah. And he says, oh, that comes from prayer and fasting. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, because there is power in that, and it is about uh, the only way that we have any type of power is through the submission to, Correct. to the to the triune God, you yeah. know, to the to the Trinity there. Right. And when we when we are submitting to the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, we we uh, remove ourselves from the situation to where they can take over and run. Yeah, man. There, dude. I I'm a prideful turd. Oh man, that makes two of us. I'm a prideful we're, turd. We're, this is a whole cesspool in this room. And I am. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. We're a. Uh, we're a, I don't like a Porter John. Like that's what yeah. it is right now. Um, no, I, and I'm realizing, man, if you want to see God move humility. And again, that to this, that prayer and fasting, like, right. because you realize that I'm, I'm a fairly smart dude. I'm pretty quick on my feet. Mm-hmm. And so I can make moves. I can do things, but I've just seen God just do incredible stuff. And our church is, you know, growing, spiritually and it's not because of anything that i'm doing it's because of i'm actually spending time fasting and praying for my people right and he's he's moving in them yeah yeah and you know one of the one thing that i would uh just kick out as a suggestion Mm -hmm. is uh the other thing i have found that it's truly helped me through this is finding somebody you can confess to sure and spending that time in a in a 
in a state where, I mean, I'm not saying you need to go to confession every day. Don't <laughs> yeah. be Martin Luther to where the guy goes, dude, you haven't given me anything interesting in like six years. Right. You know, stop. Um, what it what it more along comes line, because when we start to confess our struggles, and, and I'm not talking about massive sin issues. I'm right. talking about I'm afraid of this. I am struggling to wrap my head around how to deal with these situations. And I'm, I am looking more inward than I am outward, meaning to God. And what ends up happening is when we start to confess those, we rob them from the devil. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We're bringing the darkness into light. Yeah. And wh- where the light is, darkness can't be. That's what, that's that's right. what first John tells Absolutely. us, you know, Absolutely. and so, you know, that's, that would be the other thing that I would blend in, but I, I wholeheartedly agree with the, with the fasting and, you know, so have you ever? So tell me what you've learned about fasting. Oh man, from a Jewish perspective, from a Jewish perspective, holy smokes! Isaiah, I think it's Isaiah fifty-eight. It's either Isaiah fifty-eight or Isaiah fifty-three. Um, I think it has one of the best uh, passages in the Scripture about fasting. Okay, um, and God is like just just hammering the Israelites and about their worship and their sacrifice and right um, and about their fasting. Mm-hmm. Um, they were doing it in a way to try to again. I think I believe it's like twisting God's arm or to be seen. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and he's like, "In a you fast in a day like this, when you're not even giving up anything, like you're not seeking me in this fast." <clears throat> and so when you see it in the in Isaiah again, fifty three, fifty eight, fifty eight. I can't remember one of them. Fifty three or fifty eight is like the he was pierced for my transgression. Yeah. <clears throat> those one of those two. Okay. <clears throat> anyway. Um, and so, in this in 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 this chapter in Isaiah, um, he talks about when you fast, like it's not for yourself, right? It is for the poor. It is for seeking, um, um, inter- interceding for for other people. Mm-hmm. You know, I think a lot of times, well, it's because of our Greek or Western mindset. Yeah, and Christ- thank you for saying it that way. Yes, C- Christianity is about us. Right, and the Jewish mindset, man, teaches us that actually it's about, it's, the, people. It's about the people. The whole term is yeah. they are Israel. It means they wrestle with well, even God. even it's their, a people thing. Even sin in the Jewish mindset is it, mindset is treated, or maybe we say Hebrew mindset. It's treated as if it's a people's sin. Yeah, it's a people's issue. And so fasting, what I'm learning is mm. is fasting is more about how can we how can we intercede like. Like I, I'm gonna give up food because this person knowing you, or this person submitting this, or this person is more important to me than than something that I absolutely need. And part of that is breaking you down. I mean, like you said, it isn't something where we can twist God's arm and say, right. "Hey," because we're not ladder climbers. No. At the end of the day, all of the things. I mean, this out of Book of James. Uh, if you do anything, anything that does not have love attached to it, then it is sin. Sure. If you are fasting for self, it is sin. Yeah. If you are praying for self, it is sin. Even something that feels good. Mm-hmm. And the reason I'm now I, I see that look on your face. And the reason I'm telling <laughs> you this is because you just said it. It has to be a focus of the people. I want you to I want to when we take a look at who gave us the uh the thought process for prayer was whom 
Jesus. Jesus. Yeah. And let me ask you this. When you are pouring and reading through uh, his prayers in the garden, how many times did he pray for himself? Well, well he does ask for this cup to be taken from no, him. No, he, I got to tell you, I'm going to approach that. I, I okay. will approach that from a different angle okay. because he is setting things back into right motion. And he is taking a look. That goes all the way back to Genesis chapter 3 when uh, Adam started blaming everybody else for the issue. Mm, okay. Because he didn't want to pay the price. Because I, I will ask you, when you read it next time, you find me the period in there or the question mark in there. Mm. So, okay, the, can the, I ask a question it, on yeah, that? No, no, go right ahead. See, so, this is what happens when crazy pastors I, hey, man, get together. I love this, dude. Um, <laughs> so... I guess I maybe wanting to bring. I'll just ask the question. So Matthew is it Matthew five or six um, yeah. where Jesus is teaching mm-hmm. um, how to pray? Right. He does tell us to to seek forgiveness for for our sins. So that there. So to some degree that that is about us. No, I get that part, but I but we're asking him to forgive us. Sure. Okay, and and where I'm going with this is when we're and and I don't know how we got off on track here, but um, our, our our key thing is this way you're, all your conversations go with me every single time. <laughs> Usually, we leave coffee and he and you leave more confused by me than you showed up. <laughs> I would like, say confused, more like questions about. Yeah, I got more questions. I'm gonna dig into this. Yeah. Right. Well, my my thing is is that when we. Anytime that we end up navel gazing, mm-hmm. you know, looking at self, and we're we're not looking at what we need to be doing. I mean, even in there, the Lord's Prayer, mm-hmm. okay, classic example: "Forgive mm-hmm. us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us." Sure. What we're asking for there is not uh, a matter of forgiveness. We're asking for Hey, judge me the way I'm judging others, so help me pull myself into alignment. Okay. Right? And it is asking for something for self. I get that part. But what it is is it is actually teaching you how to love your neighbor. Mm Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? No, I I hear that. I just I think it might be too much of a step to say if you pray for yourself or if you fast is a sin. I think that might be a little too much of a step there. Okay. And and the reason I the only reason and and I'm good with that. Okay, I'm good with that. That's that's one of our things that we can go. I'm cool with where you're at, man. The one thing I say is if you're not doing it with the right heart. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Sure. Because when we when we step into a thing where anytime we are being so self focused, that's sure. my point. Okay. Okay. It is like Lord, I'm needing a new car. <laughs> and I'm going to fast for it. And and that's yeah. being a little funny. But on the other end is that I have seen, and this is not a joke, I have seen people that are so convinced they want to marry another person that they start fasting and praying to marry this oh, other sure. person, et cetera, sure. thinking that God will bend that person's yeah. will, right, or et cetera. Or in that specific case, I'm like, you do realize he's married to somebody else. Oh, gosh. Are you with me? And that's when you got to help a person kind of come back in. So that's why I'm at with some of okay. my, my comments I, about I see being, what you're saying now. being cautious yeah. with that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and I, and uh, I'm not saying that it, it, it is okay that you as a church leader, okay, yeah. or you as a 
uh, Bible study leader is saying, hey, I am praying, Lord, give me the strength, give me the knowledge, give me the understanding. That's you're even when you're asking for that, you're asking for it to share with other people. Sure. Yeah. It's still not self-focused. Yeah. No, and I would agree. So I would. So now that you've kind of clarified that, yeah, anytime I think we're praying for selfish reasons. I mean, um, was John John fifteen when when Jesus is talking about abide and then he goes into saying ask whatever you want and it will be given to you. Correct. This isn't like what this we 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 take that verse out of context. Oh, that big time. Because when you're abiding in Christ, your heart and your desires are going to be shifted to Christ, and so the things that you're going to be asking are not for self. Right. Um, and so that's when when Jesus says that you know it's it's because you are not thinking selfishly. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, I, I, I guess that now that you've clarified that, I, I can I can see that to you know. I think again that there's when you're sick. I mean, I think you could pray, God, heal me, you right? Know? Um, and 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 that is fine to to pray that, but yeah. it also says call the elders of the church. Yeah, James five. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And James five definitely tells you to have those people come in pray and pray over you, you yeah. because that's where the authority starts to pass through the leadership of the church sure. into the people. Yeah. So then how would you wrestle with, like, David? Like, all the Psalms are like, David, rescue me from my enemies. And- all right, see, he's the biggest crybaby of all time. <laughs> <laughs> and and a fierce warrior. He's like- a fierce warrior that teared up more than once. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> As all of us are, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. No, 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 no. It, it isn't about a, a clarifying thing. It's that, <clears throat> that becomes a prayers for all kinds of things. Sure. Uh, um, you know... Uh, here again, we're taking it to where, let's go back to what you said Uh about the Jewish mindset. Sure, sure. Is that it becomes, even sin is about a people. Yeah, yeah. And what David is praying is for a people. Yeah. Because when it comes down to it, when he's praying about the situation with King Saul, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Saul is oppressing the people. Sure. And when yeah. David is, I mean, that's why he David's got all the the uh, cave full of winers with him, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. In a dullum, right? And what happens is in those prayers, what he is praying is for the re, to, for the proper establishment. Man, if we're going to do this, let's do it. Yeah. And, and I'm not I'm not looking to make excuses for or uh, making up. Hey, I need to be right in this situation. Mm-hmm. I'm just saying that when we approach this. We need to approach it with the right heart. Sure. Okay. Yeah. And, and that's all I'm yeah. saying. And the other part that I, I'm saying is when it comes down to fasting, uh, I think a lot of people think fasting is just going hungry. Yeah. No, yeah. Well, and so what I would say is recently I feel like I'm fasting correctly, but the times that I've done it before, I've just grown hungry. I've just starved my body. Yeah. You know, for no for, for selfish gain, which is essentially no reason. Right. And um, so here, let me throw this at you. How many people do you think fast off of television and Facebook and stuff for a month? <laughs> um, probably none, but right. I, I struggle with connecting. I don't know, man. I, I think whenever you read fasting in the, the Old Testament, mm-hmm. it's not about things. It's more about the food because your body needs it. Right. But how much do we end up feeding our brain? Oh, and now I, and, and I, yeah. the reason, when you give up food, when yeah. you give up stuff like that, because I Hebrew rooted for a long time. Yeah. And the key thing was, it's about 
fast from anything that is distracting you from God. Mm. And the food was always a major part of it. Yeah. Because you you uh, they would fast from evening one day mm-hmm. till evening the next sure. day. Yeah. Okay. Uh, they uh, was basically a twenty four hour mm-hmm. span. And um, they a lot of times, if I remember right, it was Wednesdays. Uh, yeah, the, they had like two days a week that they yeah, fasted. Yeah, they yeah. had two days a week. But even that for some of the Jews became, and I even seen this in the Hebrew Root Collective, is that it would become, well, this is what we do. Yeah. And uh, But, you know, the ones that got very serious about it and grew from it, dove in deep into the Word during that time. Yeah. Yeah. And would actually set aside moments of the day. Okay, it is time to eat, so I am feasting on the word. The of word, God. right, right, yeah. And um, the other thing that they um, and and I had heard a um, Hebrew root pastor. Well, he taught me that uh, anything that is of distraction during this time, anything, mm-hmm. your cell phone, yeah, you're out. All that needs to be set aside because nothing can distract you from the word of God. And yeah. and that's a reasonable thought. So yeah, no, I think I, I would agree that if it's coupled with like the food fast, yeah, oh yeah, I think that, that's yeah, absolutely. I, I I struggle with someone saying I'm going to fast from my phone or my TV, and it's like, well, your body doesn't need it. You're addicted to it, yeah, but your body doesn't need it, right? Like it needs food. Okay, so let me ask you, what's the longest you've ever went in a fast? Man, I've only the farthest I've gone is three days so far. All right. Um, hey. And and, I, and not not as a brag, but I'm going to tell you, this is definitely not a brag. One time he called me to a 10-day fast of wow. nothing but water. Well, now, I'll say this, that after about day two, mm-hmm. I'm not craving food. Yeah, the food doesn't become an issue. Yeah, um, and so day three is the easiest, actually, out of the three days that I've done it. Mm-hmm. Day three is the easiest. And I've done some reading, and they say that after day five... Yeah, and then day ten, I want to say it's like hunger pains start coming back or something along those. I don't know, man. Yeah. But I, by the time day ten, eight, you you can't hardly eat anything. Yeah, you have. You, I broke my fast with soup. Well, yeah. I broke it with communion, but uh, uh, and now would the Lord had called me that for a specific thing. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. There was a specific thing I was, and He said, "Show me." Yeah. And uh, the funny thing was, I used to, and uh, Wes Cannell will tell you this too is that once you've crossed about day four, day five, I always rub my fingers together because you start to feel fuzzy. Oh, wow. <laughs> you, your tongue doesn't feel right. And huh. your, your, your body feels a little, but you, what you, uh, I would say, starts to happen, in, in, especially when you're spending time in prayer, is that all of a sudden you're like, man, I, okay, I'm going to take this uh, hour this evening to pray. Yeah dinner time sure and the next thing you know it's two o'clock in the morning because you just all of a sudden are immersing yourself yeah in in christ in the moment and you're and you're talking to him and it isn't and this is why i say that it's not a uh an asking for things it's a it's a receiving mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah are you with me yeah because it, uh, i'm not going to him to beg it's a matter of um surrendering myself into him yeah and it, it becomes something completely different. Yeah, I respect uh, fasting is uh, an important part of Christian life. It is. It's a discipline. I mean, Jesus says, uh, Matthew 5, mm-hmm. 
when you fast. It's like when we we pray, mm-hmm. you know, we um, we read God's word. Those are important things, and so is fasting. <laughs> Right. So here, let me cover, uh, you know, uh, I want to just cover a few quick things with you out of curiosity. Okay. Is number one, you said something that was, uh, uh, most people think that Western, the Westernization of the uh, Bible Mm -hmm. or the faith uh, is, it's actually about the Greek. It is actually about uh, uh, the Greek and the European thought process. Mm -hmm. Mm Mm-hmm. There's an Americanization, sure. which is the sure. consumer yeah. uh, end of this. And uh, then there is the Eastern. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, even when we take a look at Eastern Orthodox churches, mm-hmm. you know, they stick very close. To, they've got their own thing happening, that's mm-hmm. for sure. Mm-hmm. So in America, my question to you is this. As a pastor in a rural state, mm-hmm. And probably one of the places that is easiest for uh, people to become incredibly independent-minded yeah, yeah. to the point where it drives you nuts. Yeah. But my question to you is this. How do you go about immersing yourself into this culture mm-hmm. but bringing it back into the Christ culture? Mm. Mm. Tough question, I know. But I, I, I th- you know, just in my conversations with you, you, you are always looking at how to improve your people, yeah, and improve their relationship with Christ. Every conversation I've had with you leads me to believe that that your focus has always been that you love your family mm-hmm. and you are mm-hmm. you're you have an amazingly beautiful family, and uh, but you also you have this great desire to see people walk in what Christ has called them yeah. to. Yeah. You know, I think Wyoming culture is, I have lived in Hawaii, a group in Mississippi, lived in Hawaii, lived in Tennessee, lived in Colorado, Florida. Wyoming has been, I would say, the hardest as far as getting people to understand the need for community. Without a doubt. Um, we are just extremely independent here. Yeah, yeah. And, then, and I think there's some there's some good to that that strong mental mentality. Yeah. However, because of that, I mean it's just like all things, you can you can have great strengths and those strengths can become weaknesses. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and so Because it becomes arrogant pride. Yeah, yeah. So how do you dude it's uh, that is I can tell you this. Again, it goes back to discipleship. You have to exemplify it. And so one of the things that we're seeing in our church body right now, um, people don't want to leave on Sunday mornings. And so we have, like we end our service and people still hang out and talk. Right. And I think that is a really good um, symbol of something healthy. Right. That's good. That's a good word. That is. And so I, I, it has to be exemplified. And so to be able to do it, you have to exemplify it, and it's going to be hard. People aren't going to get it, and you have to continue to push through it. Right. Um, and that's – how do you do it? I, I, just just start. Right. Like you start doing it with a few, and people may not catch it quickly. Right. Um, but they will. They will catch it because we were we were created for community. I mean, before 
in the beginning, which is not a long time ago, but before time and space and matter, mm-hmm. God was in community with himself. Mm-hmm. Um, I know that's yeah, kind of the, the trite. No, no. It's I weird get, to say, but nope, that. I'm going to tell you every every liturgical church gets what you just say because yeah. that, that's a focus. And then, and then, so I'm, we're teaching, we're actually going through the book of Genesis um, right. in our, in our, on our Sunday mornings. And um, through looking at the chiasms, through looking at, uh, you know, what is Genesis trying to tell us? Mm-hmm. If you have the Hebrew scriptures, the center word, the very center word, and it's built, the chiasm is pointing us to that very center word, is moed, mm-hmm. which, which in our translation translates as seasons, right? But it also translates as feast, festivals, gatherings, um, and Sabbath. Yeah. And so there's the eight. Yeah. So 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 God is maybe Genesis one is not about simply about God creating the heavens and the earth and the creation that He'd created. Maybe God is telling His people. To be together and to rest in Him, mm-hmm. um, and so from the beginning of time, before things were, before there was beginning, God was in community. The entire story of Genesis points to this understanding or this this idea that God's trying to teach His people who've been enslaved in Egypt for four hundred thirty whatever years mm-hmm. that your value isn't in. Your production, because that's what their value was in, producing bricks. Your value is in the fact that I created you, and that I'm calling you to rest in that. Mm. And so I think with that, all that kind of said, there's this understanding that Sabbath is feasts, communions, gatherings together. Mm -hmm. Convocation. So we were created in his image. Part of being created in his image is being in community. Right, and so we we are less Christian when we think we can do it on our own. Absolutely, and that that is the point of communion. Yeah, common union. Yeah, it is the joining together with with Him, abiding in Him, and Him abiding in us. You know, it's funny that you brought that up earlier. You said, uh, you know, He said, "He who abides in Me." You know, there's only one spot in the whole Bible there afterwards that the term "abide with us" exists. Mm. So you'll have to look for that one. Yeah, but let okay. me tell you, I'll, I'll give you the big hint so okay. all our listeners can hear it, read it. But when He comes to the two disciples on Emmaus. Mm-hmm. They're the ones that say, abide with us. Oh, that's true. Yeah. They're the only ones in the whole Bible that say it. Wow, yeah. And when he does, when he abides with them, they break, Jesus breaks the bread, and then their eyes are open to see it's Jesus. Interesting. Communion. Interesting. Communion happens, and you're able to see Christ. The only way you're going to see Christ is through the communion and allowing him to abide in you, and you abide in him. Sure, yeah. Surrender. Surrender, yeah. You know, and then the king rules. Mm-hmm. So that's uh, now I, I'm going to, I've got like five minutes okay, left here. Okay. I'm going to lay something out on you for a disciple. Okay. When it comes down to the, to the word disciple, mm-hmm. it is about learning to self-sacrifice. Okay. Uh, when The Talmud, mm-hmm. okay, is the disciple. Mm-hmm. Talmud is is the Hebrew word for disciple, T A L M I D. Okay, and it comes from the root word tamid, which is burnt offering. Mm. Interesting. 
And the middle one, the only difference between them is the letter L or the lamid. The lamid is called the king letter. And without the king in the middle of it, there ain't no discipleship. Mm-hmm. You're just a burnt offering. Wow. That's good. Okay. Just something to kind of wrap your mind around a that's little good. bit there. Yeah. And that's something I'm working on this here too. And I, I know many other pastors out there, we're we're all trying. But I, I tell you, some of this I think that we need to start stepping back out of the A, Western mindset, but mm-hmm. way out of the American mindset <laughs> of the church. Because you you had a great statement with the term, uh, it, it we become a consumer. We're con- it, the Christian church, and I would agree with you. Since the early 1900s, it's become a consumer. Yeah, and I don't know what started that. I don't either. But I do know that we are getting to a point where, and I, you know, this this book that I've got the church reading with Bo Geertz, um, where he is talking about the liturgy is not the enemy of the of the uh, freed soul. But they have to have a coming together, mm. and the and the reason that they do that is uh, simply to uh, we have to be in right communion with God, right, right. And I think the fasting and praying yeah. and the and the working on that stuff, I think that's all excellent. But I think also getting out of the mindset of self, yeah, yeah, and into the mindset of me and all of us as a people. Mm-hmm. And, and we are your people, yeah. And you are our God. Okay, that becomes like key things. And uh, so the other thing that I I would uh, I would like to point out is that Aaron invited me into his church one time on a Friday night service mm-hmm. and says, "Bert, will you come and do communion with my people?" <laughs> and uh, so we did. Yeah, so so just again to, to hear for listeners, I'm non-denominational. Yeah. You're Lutheran. I'm Lutheran. So That's we do right. communion differently. Oh yeah. So yeah. Uh, now, how do you guys view communion? I'm gonna. I almost have to do a second show with you just Bro, on let's this. Do it, man. It, let's so do it. We can. We can. And uh, but uh, let's let's plan that for another show. Okay. Sounds good. Okay. Sounds because good. I, one thing is is you have multi different people listen to this. Yeah. And we have a little different views on communion. Sure, sure. And and I just want to point out, number one, is that uh, just like you guys heard us debate something, we do this all the time. Yeah, this, it, If you were wondering what it sounds like for these two pastors to sit down and visit with each other, you just heard it. Yeah. This is the way we talk while we're drinking coffee or whatever we're doing. Yeah. Uh, the only thing that I would say that we go beyond this is especially when we pull in Wes and a few others, there's a lot of times that we sit down and talk about our struggles. Yeah, we do. Yeah. And then and and we help each other through it. Mm-hmm. And uh even though uh you're uh you've only known me as a Lutheran. I, uh, yeah. Yeah. Wes has known me as a gangster. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Wes has known me as a as a motorcycle club uh leader. Outlaw. Yeah. As a, as an out dweller, mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, the other thing is, is that he uh, has seen me walk through the Baptist church, go through multiple Pentecostal style churches, mm-hmm. uh, non denominational churches. Um, I always feel like there's, you know, non denominational. Well, we were Baptist, and we're, but that's like a. Um, your, what is your theology at the end of the day, right? And right. and so. 
Because non non denominational is the new denomination. It is. It is. Maybe we should be interdenominational, where it doesn't that, matter. And that's where we need to go. Yeah, Aaron. That's where we need to go to where it doesn't matter. Where you, the one thing I love about you, Wes, and myself. Okay, this honest to God, and I, I want to close it out with this: is that we do not see ourselves as a separate church. We see ourselves as the Church of Casper, right? And though you have your house and I have my house and he has his house, we all see ourselves, and, and I will say this for uh, Darren and uh, Mike Fackler as mm-hmm. well up at, at uh, Highland Park, that is their houses. Yeah. But we are all one body of Christ. Mm-hmm. And we work together on things all the time, and we, we come together for things all the time, and it's beautiful. Yeah. And... uh but it doesn't mean that we have to ever criticize each other right. and go, why do you do it that way? It doesn't matter. You right. worship in your house. Do we worship the same God? We do. And are we are we all loving on the people around us? And one thing, you cannot be a good Christian if you cannot love other Christians. <laughs> right. Okay? And, um, yeah, it may look a little different to you, but so what? Yeah. All right? Thank you for joining me. Yeah, today. man, had a blast. Let's and do it again. So I know we're going to do it again. <laughs> we're, we we'll set up something here in the next month or so, and we'll cool. sit down and do this. And uh, I just want to remind all my listeners out there that you know we uh, are uploading one to two times a week, and uh, those little spots where I'm missing for long periods of time, I was not kidnapped by Bigfoot, stolen by aliens, or being held hostage by anybody in particular, although my wife would not be willing to pay anyway. So I just want to say God bless you, and remember, Jesus loves you, and I love you, and there's nothing you can do to stop us. For questions or comments, please email us at info at thebarbarianprophet.com. The Barbarian Prophet is a registered trademark of Barbarian Media Group. Listening to this podcast may cause excitability, euphoria, and overall sense of happiness in the realization that you're not alone. Discontinue use if reddened skin or a rash develops. Side effects may include random hugging, crying out loud, smiling while alone, and happy crying combined with snot bubble development. Do not use during church service. No animals were harmed in the making of this podcast. Are you actually still listening? Seriously, we have nothing more to say except for that one thing that was really, really, really important, but let's wait until the next show for that. Yeah, that one more thing that we need to remind you is you need to find a solid church. Don't look for a place that serves you. Look for a place that you can serve. And I just want to remind you, day after day, pray. Take time to spend time in your Bible. And just remember, Jesus definitely does love you, and I definitely love you too. And agree. And again, I will always remind you, there's nothing you can do to stop us.